Well, it might be psychosomatic, but I've woken up with a sore shoulder this morning. It's really weird. I don't know what's going on, but off the back of waking up and finding out that Cooper Cronk played the grand final with a broken shoulder, I'm sore. What's going on? Wow. What an effort. Can you believe it? Sore head was, and after hearing you use the word psychosomatic, my head is hurting <laughs> as much as Cooper Cronk's shoulder. But what a performance we have seen in the history! Did of you grand celebrate final the Roosters' League. grand final? Did you? I celebrated the end of the season, and we should point out very early on was that we are performing in front of a live audience. We are. W. Smith, M. Russell. L Pitt and Lockie Pitt is here, along with Ryan Eckford, who's a big fan as well. So we've got our first ever, you can take me now, I have seen it all, live audience, including Lockie, who I'm sure is going to chime in yeah, numerous in times if we during have. the next whatever, yeah, five minutes or whatever this goes right. uh, today to finish out round, well, sorry, season 2018. It is the morning after the grand final after all, and we might be a little bit slow at times today. But an amazing game. Um, if you'd said to me, Last night before kickoff, that one of the two teams would um, complete 20 of 21 sets in the first half. And the set they didn't complete would be a winger leaping for a high ball, trying to keep it in play and had his foot on the line. They wouldn't make a mistake other than that. I'd have said that's hard to do in a grand final. But the Roosters, I said in the commentary, um, were perfect. I mean, in reality, they were, it was the perfect half of football. And the, the scoreline at halftime, reflected that. I mean, it was a, it must have been a dream if you're a Roosters fan, either watching on TV or there at ANZ Stadium last night. You must have been thinking, this can't be happening yeah. because this is, this is the absolute perfect scenario. How does it play out like that in a grand final? I have to say, I'm not a Roosters fan, but I'm sitting there going, this is the most unbelievable start to a game I've ever seen. And you're 12-0 up, you're going... I'm trying to put my head into a Roosters fan's feeling and I'm going, are you confident? How you, you know, because you could not be anything but confident on the way they started the game, right? But then all season we've seen these momentum shifts. So I'm sitting there at halftime going, oh, there's every chance Melbourne, Melbourne could come out and it could be a completely different game in the second half. Uh, but the Roosters never let up. They had the game plan from the first minute to the 80th minute and Melbourne were the Melbourne that we saw a few times this season that didn't complete well, that looked completely out of sorts. Well, on the podcast last week, I said I think the Roosters will win the grand final. By grand final day, I had swung the other way. I had been lulled into thinking that Melbourne would win and maybe win by a margin. Publicly, I was saying I think Melbourne could win by four points, but had they won by more, I wouldn't have been surprised. I was shocked by Mm the start from the Sydney Roosters. And I thought to myself during the half how some teams play their last game of the season and reserve their worst performance for the last game of the season, or very close to. You saw Anthony Seabold after Souths were eliminated say, we didn't see the best version of us today. Well, what a thrill, conversely, for Trent Robinson to see the best version of the Roosters in the biggest game of the season. Phenomenal for Roosters fans. Mm. Craig Bellamy, after the... Storm lost to the Sharks in round 22, and it was back-to-back losses because they lost to the Rabbitohs, of course, two of the best teams in the competition throughout 2018. But it was back-to-back losses. They hadn't played well in either of those losses. And he came out and he said, you know, this might be a little bit harsh, but it looks like we lack a little bit of hunger at the moment to me. Now, they found that hunger again, quite obviously, to do what they did to get themselves to the grand final. But had that performance last night been back five or six weeks ago, Craig Bellamy might well have come out and said something like that again because it smacked of a team that, you know, 
they weren't, I don't know, they were distracted or nervous. It's hard to imagine but, a team like the Melbourne Storm nervous, but they, they played like a nervous team. Those mistakes off the high balls, they couldn't defuse any bombs. It had them under pressure. They were going backwards in the early tackles in those sets where they either cleaned up the ball or didn't clean up the ball. And twice the Roosters kicked. They got six again. They scored off the back of both of those yeah. sets. You just don't see Melbourne not get back, get get themselves into the arm wrestle of making it a game played between the 20s and suddenly being under pressure the way they were last night. It just was a very un-Melbourne-like performance. How often do we hear, though, from ex-players that a grand final is often won during the week and what happens during the week? And let's face it, they both had very dramatic weeks. You had Melbourne's Billy Slater build-up, which we spoke at about at length in last week's podcast, which we know he got off, but he spent the first four or five days of preparation. He told me at the Daly M's who were backstage, he said, I have not watched a frame of Roosters. I have watched my own tackle on was it uh, Ricky Lutelli. Sasai Fecky. Oh, knew it was one of them. Um, he, he'd watched that thousands of times. He'd, he'd woken up in the middle of the night and was watching <laughs> the same tackle over and over again. Wow. To get his defence right. Anyway, this was a a big part of the Storm's week. Obviously, it wasn't until Wednesday morning when he woke up that he could start focusing on the week. But the, and we're going to talk a lot, I think, about this part for the Roosters. The Cooper Cronk injury has somehow galvanised that, that team because whilst it was an uncertain week for him, it meant that they knew, they had to, compartmentalise the week in terms of their preparation. If it comes, if it goes this way, if it goes this way, they had every base covered for whatever happened to Cooper. So maybe it honed their focus from the Sunday morning. They knew what the extent of the injury was. Mind you, they didn't. That wasn't accurate. What they told us, yeah. um, and it was never going to be accurate. Yeah, and we said seemed, that last week was, on the show. It seemed very obvious that that was a weird thing that they suddenly became really open books on an injury when. We know very well that clubs keep injuries often mm. under wraps, but they suddenly were very open and honest, so so to speak, at 9am on the Sunday. But I think that the, in hearing the, the wash-up from the press conference last night, the way the Roosters handled all that drama, they seemed to have, you know, every plan, every base covered, and, and more importantly, Cooper, in his mind, and in what he managed to achieve on the field, had a big part to play in, in what we're talking about today. I hear what you're saying, but surely one cancels out the other, doesn't it? They've mm. got Cooper uncertain and, and um, any number of possibilities up until Friday or Saturday. You've got Billy not knowing whether he's going to play for the start of the week. So, mm. And Melbourne's so professional. I, just, mm. I simplified it in my mind. I thought, OK, you've got Cooper on one side, you've had Billy on the other, cancel it out. Mm. Cancel it out. Um, I really don't know. and There's, there's an offshoot discussion point here about how honest clubs should be regarding player injuries when you've got millions of dollars being spent through gambling houses, you've got people 80,000 plus paying good money to go to the grand final, you've got fan bases on either side with the two clubs plus the game. Should clubs be allowed? The Roosters did nothing wrong. They followed the rules. They can put out whatever information they like, but should there be stricter guidelines into what information clubs should disseminate before games, a la so many sports in the state? Yeah, I think it's a really fair point, and gambling is becoming all-pervasive and probably has been for some time. And I've made it very clear on the podcast here earlier in the season when it might have been just you and I, Matty, before Lara joined the the, 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 the circus. But, um, <laughs> Added to the circus. You know, I'm not a punter. And I don't bet on anything, let alone rugby league. 
um, for a variety of reasons because I know I'm way in front in the end of the mm. day. I know I'm going to, you know, if, I, if I'm betting, I'm going to lose money. And, I, and I'm a really bad loser. <laughs> I'm a bit like Cameron Smith. <laughs> Might be something about Smith's. I'm a really poor loser. So I don't bet. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing Robin Williams. I might have said this also, but... I mean, uh, betting on sport is God's way of telling you you have too much money. (laughs) And um, so as a result, you know, I'm a bit, you know, I don't care about it so much. But then... Take take the betting out of it But 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 having said that, if you are are accepting money, as the NRL are, and significant money, big money... So, Maddie, did you just want them to be honest? I, I want some sort of guidelines in place whereby, as a viewer and a follower of the sport, um, I have a little more surety in what's going to happen. But I don't think they knew. So if they told you that he had a broken scapula, the circus would have gone on anyway and and we would have ruled him out. We would have ruled him out. And you know what? I was critical at times last week. Why have they named Mitch Orbison at seven? They're they're having a lend. He hasn't played halfback in 262 games. But subsequently, I found out from Trent Robinson, they were actually going to use... Mitch Orbison as a seven, defending. So I thought, well, fair enough, you know. And then they were going to rotate the two centres around to cover had Cooper not played. So that that criticism from me last week was wrong, point blank, because they were going to use Mitch Orbison in some role as a halfback. But I I just think to myself, I don't know. And and there is the intrigue, which you could argue also adds to the build-up. The intrigue is is great, but... it's what goes I, down. I did in, hear people at, saying, yeah. I don't know whether Cooper Cronk's going to play or not. You know, I, I want to know before the game what I'm tuning in to see, et cetera, et cetera. And you're right. Maybe they didn't know until Saturday morning. Mm. Um, which, is what, which is part of the, the theatre of it all. And, but and but now, it is symptomatic of a broader mm, uh, factor in yeah. rugby league where they love to keep things under wraps. There's no dissemination of information, really, when it comes to, to player availability, injuries, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And when you asking people to tune into their television and television pays a billion dollars plus, not to mention the thousands who go to the grounds, should there be tighter guidelines on player health reporting? I would make a change that you have to name your team, like the official team that's going to take the field and start off the bench some, what, four hours before the game? I think an hour before the game, given everything that happens now so close to the game. and I'd go 24 hours. Well, 24 hours. But I'm, well, I'm prepared to give a team or a player the morning of the game yeah. to see how he pulls up from, say, a fitness test the day before. Yeah. And say so they might be, you know, 70, 30 that he's playing, 70 being they're convinced he's going to play. But then they might say, you know, just but it's dependent on how he pulls up the next morning. So I'm, I'm happy to give them until the day of the game. But I think it should be something like four hours because... Okay. Well, in that, in that case, I mean, they, the Roosters knew four hours out from the game that Cooper Prompt was going to play. They knew probably the night before, quite obviously, unless he pulled up really badly yesterday morning on Sunday morning, the day of the game itself. So, um, yeah, but, but I mean, there was no doubt. I mean, we, we knew that obviously he wasn't going to be anything like 100% right and he had a shoulder injury. We did, just didn't know the exact nature of it. So while there was enough information out there to say, yeah, look, if, you, if you're taking... The odds and you're betting on the Roosters. You know that Cooper Cronk isn't going to be 100% fit. We, you knew that, I guess, as a punter. Um, should you know the precise nature of the injury to the whatever detail, like how how long the break is? Is it 5 <laughs> centimetres? Is it 10 centimetres? Is it 15 centimetres? As it was, as it is, the break in his scapula, his shoulder blade, um, how, how much detail should you actually get to know. Yeah, I, I quite, don't know. But... I liked listening to the, the detail of it 
post-game. Post -game, I liked yeah, sure. hearing all the drama that was going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about, you know, and, you know, there's certain things they've got to close ranks, you know, they don't want to give all their information to the opposition. And as you said, everyone knew Cooper was going to be playing hurt. So the Storm had the opportunity but blew it if they wanted to take him out of the game. They played a very safe game plan to keep Cooper and Cooper played a really well played his hand really well to keep out of the firing line. Mm. But it's a, it's a Herculean effort, mm. and I don't want to make that little discussion there about whether clubs should or shouldn't mm. report in more detail injuries or health about players, because this was a fantastic performance from Cooper Cronk, and if you haven't read the story by Pete Bedell regarding the week that was for Amir Ibrahim, the Roosters doctor, and Cooper Cronk in terms of travelling around Sydney, consulting different specialists, uh, pushing sports science to the limit, uh, injecting 30 mils of pain relief pre-game, another 15 at half-time, uh, 20 and 15, sorry, knowing full well that 45 was the limit whereby you could, have, you could affect the heart, uh, having tackling practice in consultation rooms, passing footballs off the ground in different medical centres to try and get to kick-off. It is a wonderful story, and, and Pete Bedell has outlined it beautifully uh, today. And, and as I'm reading it, my jaw was dropping more and more, thinking, Cooper Cronk, how did you do that? How did you do that? And you know what? Look at his match stats. Uh, zero runs. Zero metres, but who cares? Eight tackles. Now, each tackle must have been incredibly painful, even with the pain relief. 17 possessions, four kicks. Uh, and I wonder how many words spoken, because that's mm. essentially why he was on the field, as a, as a coach on the field, a conductor. His shoulder is probably sore from just doing that everybody calm down <laughs> yes. motion. He's almost like a seagull preparing Blacking. to take off rooster. from the beach to, to <laughs> a rooster to swoop on a chip down there on Bondi Beach because he just, every time you saw a shot of Cooper, it was like, everybody calm down, don't do anything crazy, just keep your heads, we're in control of this. Yeah. It, it was the it was the, the theme of the last two weeks, wasn't it? The, yeah. the win last week against yeah. the Rabbitohs and then the grand final of that shot, it will live in infamy. Well, Cameron Smith said in the press conference that the Roosters essentially played with 12 players. What do you think of that? Uh, I think that essentially he is spot on. They, and that's but that's the thing not that true makes though, Maddie, because well, he, 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 he may not have... Only yeah, but, eight tackles, but how, zero runs, zero metres, four kicks down on perhaps his normal 15 So the kicking, the kicking is definitely a difference, but yeah. that voice, that steady, like you're talking about, mm -hmm. that's you a can't voice, even... That's not a technically yeah, a player, is I know, it? but don't you think that's a bit harsh? They played with 12 uh, players? Well... I think it's a swipe. I think it is. You think it's a swipe at, at what, Cooper Cronk? Well, how many... Let me ask you this, like how many players would be worthy of carrying when they are basically zero effect mm. uh, physically on the game? Like I, if I was a Roosters fan and I was asked pre-game, do you want Cooper Cronk on the field even though he won't run, can barely tackle, won't kick much? I would say no, I want 13 fit players. I would have been proven wrong given the, well, the role because, that he but played. You, but Absolutely, but when you look at who they would have brought in for him, you know, that that's... It's, of course yeah. you'd have Cooper. I mean, it's only because they managed to come up with a game plan where, and you heard Kiri say, we had a plan where we needed to get to certain points on the field because it needed to reflect or, or help my kicking game. So everyone did their job. They got to points on the field mm. where Kiri could put in good kicks for his strengths. Obviously, Cooper can have a different kicking game. Um, it, all, it all goes by the wayside if the storm come out firing and, you know, and and they are able to nullify whatever the Roosters' game plan was, but it just worked out Essentially, perfectly. Cooper should have been out there in the blue singlet. 
Yeah. Because that's what he was. Pretty much. Yeah, well, but until Nelson Asifasolomona has the ball and running at full speed, and it's you and him. Mm. Because at that stage, trust me, it was very much 13 on 13, and Cooper Cronk had to put his body on the line. That's a left shoulder tackle, memory serves me. You can't escape that. And he made eight tackles by the stats I've got in front of me here in the game. So he was out there. And if had you had a joint post-game press conference after the grand final last night and that statement was made, if I was any one of the roosters, I'd have jumped out of my seat and said, well, if it was only we only had 12 out there, why couldn't you catch the balls that were being kicked by the supposed absent 13th player? Because he yeah. put up kicks that the Storm didn't catch. Yeah. So, you know, Cameron, in a way, might be sort of saying, you know, giving them almost a backhanded compliment saying, you know, it was a pretty impressive performance because they did it, you know, for all intents and purposes with 12 but men. But, why, but, but it's not the case. Did. It's not, yeah, I know. It, it's but, not, not the case But at he all. didn't do a whole heap either. That's what Cam said about him. So anyway, yeah. I, I think that's a, I think that's, it's probably, it, you can say it from the stats, he didn't do a whole heap, but if he's, he, he did well, a lot out there. As a little sidelight, interestingly, Cam Smith, zero runs, zero metres. So mm. he and Cooper Cronk with ball in hand did exactly the same, taking kicking out of it. Mm. Mind you, uh, Cam did pull off an extra 38 tackles than Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, you know, like they were, as we said, off the top. When you're turning the ball over and giving away six again mm. off the back of Cooper Cronk kicks and Luke Keary kicks, um, and, you know, you can cast your mind back, Josh Adokar. How many metres? Josh Adokar ran for 167 metres, but I guarantee you he got driven backwards 30 to 35 metres in tackles. Well, nearly 100 ins- of them was one run. Yeah, ins- that's exactly right. Inside his own 20, they, w- they were doing an enormous yeah. job on the Melbourne back three off the back of the pressure. They had them starting sets between the goal line and the 10-metre line. They were up in their face. They were getting three and four into tackles. They were doing to Melbourne what Melbourne due to opposition teams as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that, that comment from Cameron, you know, as you said, Lara, we'll probably go by the by and, and yeah. won't really see much more. But I guarantee you down at Bondi Junction, that sort of stuff won't be missed. No. And next time they go around, it'll be fascinating to see what it's like because all the stories, and I, I didn't put too much weight or give it too much credence, all the stories about the falling out because... You, Quite often, you know, as we know, stories get beaten up a little bit and there's not as much to it. And when Mabel across the road starts t- telling you about Beryl or yes, S- Steve starts whinging about Eddie up the road or whatever else and, you know, over the back fence and stories become a lot more dramatic yeah. than they actually are. But given what we've seen in the past week, go back to the... There was a joint press conference in the lead-up to the game, of course, the media call, and Cameron Smith was asked directly about the situation with Cooper Cronk. And he basically said, look, I don't know where that's come from. He, he just sort of, you know, he played a very straight bat, didn't offer anything to it. And nobody from the Roosters, certainly Cooper, didn't jump in off the back of that and say, look, yeah, I'll put my hand up and say, look, I'm with Cameron on that topic. I don't know where that's come from or what started that. They just let it slide. And they probably weren't obliged to say anything, but I guess if you really wanted to kill it stone dead... From, I guess from Cooper's point of view, somebody may have, or Co- it would have only been Cooper, he would have potentially could have jumped up and said, trust me, we're still mates, mm. there's nothing to that. But he didn't do that. And then again, that moment in the grand final last night where Cameron comes out after a Cooper Cronk kick 
So he was there do, contributing at some stage. Cameron knows that because he was out there trying to tackle him. He got there but after the kick and then Cooper ends up on top of him. It's a fleeting moment. It could have been anybody. It could have been any one of the 13 Melbourne players on the field at the time. But it just happens to be Cameron Smith and he ends up with his hand around his throat, you know, as a bit of a... You know, you, you didn't have to get to me late as you did there and, and shove me to the ground the way you did it. But it was a perfect legal, legal yeah. tackle. There was nothing wrong with it. But I've changed my mind and there is, there's a bit more to that yeah. whole story than I was prepared to give it uh, credence you know, some months ago, perhaps. But, but I'm very hesitant to engage in discussion about it or, or want to thrash out why it's happened for fear of feeling like the two old blokes or two ladies over the back fence, you know, Dining on a bit of, uh, uh, you know, trivia gossip. Or whatever. Gossip, exactly, mm. etc. But you, rugby you league thrives off. That's right. <laughs> but again, after the game, we didn't see that shot. And down in Adelaide, I called yeah. that game down there at Adelaide Oval when Melbourne beat them nine eight back in round sixteen. So much was made of the very cursory handshake between Cameron Smith and Cooper Cronk. And again, last night you didn't see anywhere. Now mm. it may have happened at some point, but I didn't see any any. Chat, you'd have thought after all those seasons, all those times they went into battle together, Cooper played 323 games mm. with the Melbourne Storm. You'd have thought there'd been an, an embrace or something after the game. Now, it may have happened. I didn't see it. But the absence of any acknowledgement of that situation just leads me to think there is a, a bit more to it. For, for what it's worth, mm. it, it, as you say, it's a bit of gossip. It doesn't really affect the way the game was played or, or games will be played in the future. The question now is, who's playing next year? Because we know Billy Slater isn't playing next year. He's retired. Cameron Smith just kept alluding to the fact several occasions, and, and we might get Lockie's thoughts on this as well. He's over there on Mum's lap at the moment. G'day, champion. He's going well, doing a great Lockie job. Lockie says, I don't care about Melbourne. I Good. just care about St. George yeah. Lawara. Yeah. Good boy, Lockie. He'll yeah. be a dragon. There's no, he's got no choice in great the pit household. But... Um, will we see Cameron Smith? He was asked about this in the post-match press conference. Um, he said that, you know, it's still to be nutted out. It's not the time for... He doesn't want to think about it right now. He needs to digest the season. Craig Bellamy jumped in and said, obviously, he's not the number cruncher. He wants Cameron playing. There are people above that need to sort that out. Um, someone threw up and said, well, Cam, if you're not going to play here, could you see yourself playing somewhere else? At and the he, Roosters. And he got a... He, got, he sort of kind of chuckled a bit and then took a deep breath and said, well, actually, I don't really want to... I don't... haven't thought about it yet. Um, but but you could see that he had to take that question seriously because he's told everyone he wants to play on and if it doesn't get sorted out with the storm, which seems ridiculous, how do they not re-sign him for one more year? Well, I guess, you know, like at some point there's a price and it's what are you prepared to pay for one more season. So... You know, it's 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 tough to know at what point do you say to a veteran who is the greatest player potentially that the NRL has ever seen and is the cornerstone of so much of what the Melbourne Storm have done, along with Craig Bellamy, quite obviously, and Billy Slater and Cooper Cronk. But at some point, you have to say, we've got to look to the future. And while it doesn't mean we don't want you to play next year, but you've got to play potentially at a price that is more accommodating to the club, and it mean, might mean you say you take a twenty percent pay cut or whatever it is, but you know, like what if you're in Cameron Smith's situation with his manager Isaac Moses? 
would you be prepared to, say, take a, a little bit of a haircut on what you're earning in 2018 to go around again in 2019? Well, it depends on your, your makeup. I, I would be. I, I can't imagine Cam Smith playing anywhere else in the yeah. Melbourne Storm. For me, it's either retire or continue on for another season at the Melbourne Storm. And at the end of that season, you can decide whether you go for another season and we'll, we'll balance the books accordingly. But at the same time, if he's playing 80 minutes every game and having the influence he had on games in 2017 and 2018 then yes, he's going to be paid very, very, very well and um, can have a real impact for the Melbourne Storm. Maybe the hesitation is only because they want to be sure that he wants to play again next year. Well, he's come out and said that. He wants to play next year. But hasn't, having the questions to him about are you going to retire after the grand final, he's left that open? Or is that purely... Oh, it sounded, it sounded like it was getting a bit um, uncomfortable around negotiation when that question was posed to him mm. Last week, that and last perhaps, night. He, perhaps he would have liked this all to have been sorted. Absolutely. He did say his first question when asked, "Are you going to play on next year?" He said, well, "I don't have a contract yet," yes. as if to say, "Well, that's the reason." Mm. Mm. Um, I, I just find it hard to think that the deal won't be done mm. and that he won't be at Melbourne again next year. I wonder if those comments, though, after last week's game, did have an impact on their week because. Why would you need to? Why would you even need to throw that up? That there's a chance that next week's my last game. He could have just completely mm. gone absolutely not, or just left it. Oh, guys, I'm not talking about my contract. But he said it could be his last game. So all week, again, we were we were talking about it straight up on the mm-hmm. podcast. Oh wow, this could also be not only Billy's last game; it could be Cameron's. So that never needed to be a story, did it? No, and it was only a story because he, 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 he chose that. to answer the question in the way he answered the question after. The win last week against the Sharks, it, it was stunning. I, I, I don't is, know why, yeah. you know, you're obviously sending a message to the to the club saying, you know, I want to play again next year, but we need to get this deal done. But he chose to go public with it in that way. Um, which makes you think something's not going very well behind the scenes, which is very un-Storm-like and very yeah. un-Cameron Smith-like to And, you know, that. he decided... I guess pretty late in the day, certainly from Queensland's perspective, not to play Origin mm. this year and to, to end his representative career. I, I could, I could see it. I mean, he's done everything. He, he has the chance next year, of course, to be the first player to play 400 games. But you know, it's easy to say, yeah, you only got to go around again next year and you'll play 400 games. It's another thing to actually do it, mm. to go through the preseason, to get yourself up, and and at some point, you know, having done it all, you reach a point as we alluded to last week with Mick Ennis. Like you, just, you just reach a point where your body might be able to do it, but mentally you just can't keep getting yourself up to go out there and prepare yourself the way you have to to go and tackle 125-kilogram men mm. and he makes 50 tackles a game and all the work that goes into it away from the field. You know, He's got a, a family, a growing family. He might be thinking about the next stage of his you know, life, his working life. He's got a lot of life to live, a lot of work to do beyond rugby league. He would like it, no doubt, to end on great terms with Melbourne, though, because, you know, you see Cameron as being a bit of a lifer, don't you? Like, I don't see him moving. He may well do. Like, he might prove me and whoever else wrong. But he's one of those guys who strikes me he will spend the next two, three, four decades in the game of rugby league. Yeah. He loves it. He lives for it. It's every fibre of his being, apart from his family, is rugby league. And, you know, it's a natural fit. You move into whatever role with the Melbourne Storm. Um, Billy Slater will do something similar. 
But if it doesn't end well, what happens beyond that? Does he, does he move back to Brisbane with the family? Here we are, getting right off track here. Does he go back to Brisbane with the family? And what does he, you know, does he link up with the, the Brisbane Broncos or take a role with Queensland? Is he the next Queensland coach? Yeah, there's, a, there's a number of things to consider here. I don't, I don't think it's a given, a complete given at this stage that Cameron is playing in 2019. Well, when it comes back to whether he plays on or not, I wonder whether his great mate Jonathan Thurston comes into his mind because JT was set to have this fairy tale 2018 as part of a booming, successful team and it all went horribly wrong for North Queensland and JT, even though he had the, the highs of those final few games in Sydney and then at, on the Gold Coast. But Cam has seen how quickly what is meant to be a great final year can come unstuck. And, I wonder and Billy whether, won't be there next year. Billy's not there, and there are other players moving on, and there are no givens that after playing in three straight grand finals that there's a fourth next year for Melbourne. And maybe what JT had to endure this year will just plant a seed in the mind of Cam Smith over the off-season. Fascinating few weeks well, and or months coming up. If Billy's retiring and Cam Smith is uncertain, what about Cooper Cronk? Because well, I was going to say, that's the next question as yeah. well, because... Could you think of a better way to go out? No. A, a premiership-winning uh, campaign and, and the heroics about performing with a 15-centimetre fractured scapula, you know, that doesn't get better than that in terms of legacy and uh, everything. You know, you're standing in the game, eight grand finals, I think, for Cooper, uh, and you win it at two different clubs, two years running, despite having this car crash injury. Uh, I don't know what drives Cooper Cronk. Um, the best part of the press conference, I have to just jump in there, was yep. when Cooper gave our very own Tara Rushton a rap and said um, she told him to suck it up this week. By the <laughs> end of the week, I think she was a bit over the whinging because I'm sure there would have been a lot of it <laughs> right. at home and I doubt he would have been able to pick up the baby, so that would have mm. been really annoying. Um, and <laughs> said, you know, get, get on with it. You've got a chance to play in a grand final. And yeah. so that, that he said that, that she deserved the credit for probably getting him through the week as well. Um, yeah, but I also had that question, Maddie. At the end of the press conference, I felt like someone just needed to ask, well, after the week you've had, after winning a grand final, two years running, are you done? Mm. And, what, and yes, we know he's got one more year, but what a way to go out. Where will it rank? Because Sam Burgess won a premiership with a fractured cheekbone. We know uh, John Sattler famously with a broken jaw. That was the standard, and maybe yep. still is the standard. But, yep. but what other injury performances in grand finals slash big games spring to mind? The one I mentioned last night during the commentary was Shane Webke in 2000, who played pretty much with a broken arm. Now, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't healed at all. There's no question about that. He played with a broken arm. And like Cooper Cronk, he entered the game knowing that he had this injury and it was going to be really tough to get through. And you can imagine being a front rower playing like Shane Webke did with a broken arm. That's mm. something else again, isn't it? I guess unlike Sam Burgess or Johnny Sattler, you know, those injuries that were incurred during the game, mm. um, Cooper had that mental stress all week leading up to it, thinking I can't play. No, I can play. Tara's telling him to suck it up and get on <laughs> with it and don't be a wuss. Um, and, you know, he's got all that going on. He's talking to Trent Robinson. He's doing the rounds of medical centres in Sydney trying to find a doctor who can, you know, give him the magic potion to be able to get onto the field. Mm. And all of that to contend with. And then 
get on the field and actually try and get through the game to make it to the 78th minute is just ridiculous in in all reality. Mm. So uh, yeah, I, I think punctured lung and was told that if you play, yeah, you well that's the die. same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. He's on a pethidine drip when they yep. won in 2000. Uh, sorry, in 1997. Yes. So, I always think of Origin. There's always someone in Origin who plays with. Like JT when his shoulder was hanging yeah. by a thin thread. Gilmeister dragging himself off the drip out of hospital to play. Yeah. But, but in terms of in grand, grand finals, final, that would, that's, that's well, up there, isn't Robbo it? Robbo said legend status. That yeah. moves him into legend status to do what he did um, to get through the week, uh, not being able to train. And I have to say, I was driving past Alliance on my way here, and they're all there. They've got the, the open yeah. bus is there with the. They've got, like, you know, they do in the. When the World Cup comes home to one of the inevitably European sure the open top bus the open top bus with all the balloons beautiful so I wonder whether they're going to take that through the eastern suburbs of Sydney today just keep doing laps yeah, I would just keep doing thought. laps all day and well, have a party on the, yeah. on the bus they were on the roof of the East Leagues Club all night now they're on the roof of the bus and they're just going to be going through yeah. Bondi I'm sure just toss them off as we speak and I would yeah. stop and I've seen on on Twitter over the weekend in the lead up to the game there's a fantastic house. I think it might be on Carrington Road. That's Larry. Um, Beryl Street and Carrington Road. Yeah, yep. so, so it's all the captains. It, in the heart, it's the heart of Roosters territory. Yeah. And oh, there's, right. they've got, it's, got, it's got Artie Beetson, yeah. it's got Freddie, yeah. it's got Boyd Cordner, Minnie. and it's got Minnie. On, it's a mural on the side of the house. And yeah. if you're a Roosters fan, like uh, my wife said, don't know about that. I'm saying, are you kidding? <laughs> uh, if, that's, if, that's, if I'm a Roosters yeah, fan, and there, they're, they're looking yesterday. at a photo of it now, terrific yeah. photo. So if you're in... In Sydney, you happen to be around the eastern suburbs, drive along Carrington Road and take a look mm. at that particular house. You wouldn't miss it because it's right on the intersection yeah. by the, from what I've seen Very cool. from the photos there. It's, um, you know, that's a keeper. That is staying up for life now. And I dare say there's a bit of room there for Cooper somewhere <laughs> on the chimney maybe or just under the awning. <laughs> I'm so, sure there could be a little Cooper there somewhere. I feel like we gave Cooper so much credit, but let's talk about the Clive Churchill medalist. Oh, one second before no, we leave sorry, injuries. Yeah, Blake yeah. Ferguson, yeah, it's been revealed, played with a broken leg yes. yesterday. The last I, half I didn't an hour. want to leave the injury what? chat I haven't before. heard that one. That surprised me this morning. Yeah, The last half an hour with... Uh, with some fractured, it can only be fractured because it, if it was broken, clearly you can't play on. And it was only discovered, I think, uh, sometime subsequent to full time. Right. So, you know, if we're going to give Cooper some praise, we should be praising Blake Ferguson, who performed in pain as well. But yeah, back right. to the Clive Churchill. Uh, yeah, Luke Keary. How would you describe the game that he had? Well, it was, and, and as Trent Robinson said at the post game press conference as well, that, you know, he took ownership of the team from Sunday morning. You know, a week before the game, yeah. he said once they realised that Cooper Cronk was very, a very iffy conveyance to be able to suit up and play in a week's time, he said, well, it's OK. If he plays, we're good to go. And if he doesn't play, we're still in this. We've, we've got the team, we've got the game plan, we know how to win. And and he's that sort of kid. Like, he's, he's now a member of my golf club. I'm pretty proud about that. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Keary... And Latrell Mitchell are now members of Bonnie Doon Golf Club, and I can't wait to have a hit with them. Okay, some stage in the in the weeks or the months ahead before next season gets underway. But um, but you know when you when you see Luke Keary and you, you we go to training, and there are the 125 kilogram six foot five monsters, and then there's the kid over there who looks like the ball boy or the water boy, and it's Luke Keary the five eighth, and you go, I just don't understand how you can. I know you're tough and everything, but. How the hell can you play out there in the land of the Giants mm. for 80 minutes every week in the NRL? Because he's not, he's not physically impressive in any way as far as physique is concerned. 
and they're there at training when it's warm. You know, it's only shorts and boots and socks. There's no shirts and stuff on. And you, you just look at him and you go, you know, he's, he's obviously a very fit athlete, but there's not, not a lot of him. How, does he, how do you do that out there? And there he is. He's the, Clive, he's the best player in a grand final in his chosen sport. It's tremendous accolade. And now he's a two-time premiership winner. And he had the game of games. I mean, the only blemish was the pass he threw over the top, which Adokar snaffled and ran 90 metres to score their only try of the game. And the only try the Roosters conceded in both the preliminary final and the grand final. What a defensive effort. I mean, take a bow. Um, mm. for doing that. It's in, that's incredible. Um, Craig Fitzgibbon is the defensive coach and he deserves all the raps you can give him um, because, yeah, it, it's, it's mind-boggling, really. One try in, in 160 minutes of those, of those two games. But Luke Keery, um, you know, the, the moment he got that touch and then threw that delicious ball over the top to yeah. Daniel Tupo, you just sort of, when, you, when you see players do something like that, you just think they're on. And it, they got got them on the board as far as tries were concerned, and he just he was on from that point on. He just he looked great. Every touch just had that. The timing was delicious, wasn't it? You asked how would we summarise the performance of Luke Keary? Um, satisfying, uh, accomplished, and top class. Yeah, yeah, he was unbelievable. Yeah. And and given that he won a premiership with South Sydney and left there. In questionable circumstances, that's where the satisfying comes from. To go to South Sydney's arch rival and win a premiership before the club where you started your NRL career, well done to him. Do you reckon Russell Crowe got a call at about 2.30am <laughs> this morning? Hey, Rusty, we're on the roof of East Legs Club. Sorry you can't be here, mate. Hope to catch up soon. I'm picturing Luke It's Luke. Driving a quad bike. Click. Beeping the horn as he drives past. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's complete, a... accomplished and satisfying. They're the three words. Complete, accomplished and satisfying. Yeah. Cooper Cronk said he won it last Sunday. He said the moment he knew what was going to happen and what was required of him, because as we said, that the team knew what they roughly were up against. And Luke Keary knew his role was going to be a significantly different one from one week to the next. But he took the ball by the horns and um, basically said from... The minute, the minute he knew that was going to happen, he didn't care whether Cooper played or not because he knew this was going to have to be the game of his life. And he did. He had, had the best game of his career on the biggest stage of all. And now with an Australian team to be selected for a test against New Zealand and then a test against Tonga as well. Cameron Munster, off the back of being sin-binned in the first half, which is an important part because they, the Roosters scored while he was in the sin-bin, um, and then goes with a couple of minutes to play, um, decides to give... Joseph Manu and a little bit of act of petulance, give him a bit of a nudge with his boot into the back of the head. Now, as we're recording this podcast, I don't know that uh, he's been charged by the match review committee as yet, but should he be charged and should he be given a suspension, it would rule him out of the test match against New Zealand on October 13, I believe, from memory now. So um, there's Luke Keary. Is, is he right there in the mix to be the Australian 5-8? Well, the kangaroo the squad has been made has been named. Do we want to, do you want me to go through sure, it? Sure, go through it. Regan Campbell-Gillard, Daly mm-hmm. Cherry Evans, Cook, Cordner, Frizzell, Holmes, Hunt, Inglis, Kafusi, Clemmer, Maguire, McLean, Mitchell. Munster's there, of course, not knowing whether he's charged. Peachy, mm-hmm. Tedesco, Jake and Tommy Turbo and Aaron Woods. So that's obviously not in any particular order, um, but that has just been released this morning. Oh. It'll be Munster, but if suspended, could it be Keary? Absolutely it could be Keary. Mm. Yeah. I can't see why not. And further to Cameron Munster, after the Dally M's on Wednesday night, 
sitting there having a quick chat to Mal Meninga, who did a great job uh, with the count with Jess Yates, as all everybody did. Lara, um, Hannah, Vonnie, of course, up there hosting a great night. And well done to everybody involved. Uh, you and I, Maddie, know what it's like to be involved in a Dally yeah. M's. And it is a very big build-up uh, in amongst everything else. It's not just like you're doing that. It's everything else as well. But post the, post the show, I was talking to Mal Meninga and up walked Cameron Munster to join the conversation. And he said to Mal, um, now Mal said to him, I'll see you, you know, in a, in a week or so. And Cam said, oh, well, I guess we'll just sort of see what happens. He's like, no, 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 I'll see you. <laughs> next week or, you know, whenever the team is gathering to get ready for the couple of games they've got coming so up. And, 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 and Cameron will. was trying to play it down. And, you know, you're a player. He could be, he could be injury. Could, anything could happen. You don't want to sort of count your chickens. Mm. Um, and we'll see what happens with the match review committee. But just checking the emails as we are yeah, right so now. Greg Inglis is the new captain, mm. which we all uh, knew was on the cards. And Latrell Mitchell is in there. So he gets in there ahead of Chambers, which okay. was discussed. So... Inglis and Latrell Mitchell in the centres for the Kangaroos. Wow. What a storyline. Mm. Mm. Phenomenal. So yep. good. Um, but it looks like halves will be, what would you, would you think they'd go with Munster and perhaps Hunt? Daly Cherry Evans is in the fold as well. Um, Damien Cook getting his first yeah. Kangaroos cap. Lots of good stories, just digesting them as I stare at the team yeah. list right now. Um, so there's a bloke, Damien Cook, we've spoken about this story. Start yeah. of the year, didn't know whether he'd be playing behind Robbie Farrah as South Sydney hooker. That seemed mm. like a decade yeah. ago. doesn't it? Not the start of the season. And he finishes the year wearing green and gold of Australia, mm. having won an Origin Series, mm. having been decorated on Dally M night. You know, what, what a year. It's a great story. Phenomenal story. And, and can I just... Uh, a pet of mine has been the Ken Irvine medal. And finally, <laughs> David Fusatua gets the inaugural Ken Irvine medal. Yes. So overdue. And I hope that David, when he retires in a decade plus, can say, I'm a three or four time Ken Irvine medalist, because that is the aim, mm. to be able to have a measure of the great finishers in the game. He might give Ken Irvine's 212 tries <laughs> a shake by the end of his career, because he, he scores them in bunches and he's a great, great yeah. finisher. Um, you never know. I, I thought for a long time there before Billy's. Slater's shoulder injuries, that he would go close, if not eclipse, Ken Irvine. Well, the injuries put paid to that, and maybe he might have still even come up just a fraction short. Um, but, um, you know, if anyone is going to break it, maybe it is David Fusatua, because mm. the Fuss yeah. can find the line. Yeah. So, Ken Irvine, 212. Billy, 190 or 190? 190. 190. So, he was 22 short. Yep. Without injury, I reckon he gets there. Goes close. I, I reckon he goes yeah. close. He scored seven tries this season. Mm. Um, I, he, he, if you team. give him those, you know, say, say 40 odd games, 45 games maybe that he missed out on, um, does, he, does he get the 22? He, he, he'd have been thereabouts yeah, yeah. potentially. He might have been just fractionally short, but mm. what a career. Um, I was very fortunate to call his very first game. Back in round one of 2003, scored that ridiculous try at a dummy half. He'd been all the rage um, talking to the Melbourne Storm in the lead-up to his debut in that pre-season. All the talk out of Melbourne was like, you should see this kid we've got. He's a former track work jockey. Um, you know, he's going to start on the wing. We'll see how things pan out. Well, very quickly in that first game, he said, watch me go, mm. and scored a tremendous try. And then he scored 189 more tries and did everything that he did throughout his career. Didn't end the way he did it, and uh, he wanted it. And, um, 
you know, he didn't have a great year, and the Melbourne Storm didn't have a great year after being, in my mind, so good in those big games, those milestone games for such a long time now. Invariably, when someone's bringing up 250 or 300 or whatever it might have been, they win, to my mind, to my recollection anyway. But Billy this year lost his 300th game in round, didn't play round one. In round two, um, uh, West, Tigers they, they, West Tigers got them. When he announced his retirement uh, towards the back end of the season, a big week, mm. they didn't win that game. And then, as Lara mentioned, the effort talking to Billy before the Dally M's on Wednesday night, mm. you know, the, the mental toll that that took perhaps played a part again. So it wasn't a great season for Billy in regards to those big weeks. The 300th, the retirement and the final game didn't pan out the way he wanted it. I guess it was in some ways emblematic of, of what happened for Melbourne this year. Such a dramatic week for them. But that's what rugby league's about. We couldn't have had a week leading into a grand final between the Roosters and the Storm without some drama. An injury and a suspension story. Yeah. I mean, that's double jeopardy. Unbelievable. <laughs> so who's going to celebrate the hardest in the Roosters lineup? I already have decided in my head who will win. Who will win the cake for you, celebrating you who, who deserves to celebrate No, who will? Who's the biggest party boy? <laughs> who's going to party the hardest? Vic Bradley? Uh, yes, yes. Short price favourite. Yeah. Yeah. I think he said after the game his plan was big. Beers, beers, and more beers. Oh. So if you're Trent Robinson or some power broker at the Roosters, do you just usher a, some sort of security contingent to follow Victor around for the next <laughs> probably, oh, probably, 72 yes. hours? Do you mind just following that bloke for the next three or four days? I'm, I've got someone trailing Victor <laughs> yeah. uh, for put him in a cage, the next basically. couple of weeks. I mean, he's, Victor he's the 20. inflictor. He might inflict some <laughs> self-harm in terms no. of uh, headaches, etc. Yes, yeah. exactly. I, I hope after, you know, it's such a great story. Um, whoever wins, it's always a good story. And there are so many... Um, backstories have come out, and today is just uh, you know it's a, a gold mine of, mm. of backstories that we're learning about. Of course, with Cooper Cronk, the focal point. Um, I really hope there's no issues off the back of it, boys. Mm. Um, I'm yeah. sure they're listening to the have podcast fun. at some stage this afternoon. Have a good time. Yeah. Um, but really enjoy it, and make sure you, you're able to remember it all because um, when you get a bit older, those memories will be very, very important. I want to take you back to earlier this season on the podcast. We did our one third the way through the season report. And then our mid-season report. Okay. Now, so the eventual premiers, the Sydney Roosters, after eight rounds, one third the way through the season. We were talking about this last week, and I couldn't remember yeah, we didn't have where we had them. Yet. But I, uh, on the drive home, I thought, oh, I think I know where I had them, because after eight games, they were four wins, four losses. The Roosters, and we had different categories. One of them was keep the last weekend of September free. The Roosters weren't in that. No. Do you think we're a contender? Probably a bit harshly, I didn't have them in that category. I probably should have had them in two categories. The category I had the Roosters in, and they're the only team in this category, is is there a chance we actually suck? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. After eight weeks, I was wondering, and, may, and I'm sure Roosters fans were wondering because it wasn't gelling. The big signings of Cronk and Tedesco didn't seem to be working through those first couple of months of the season, and the question marks were there. I'm sure... They were being spoken about. And again, after the fact, you know, the Roosters would freely admit now, Luke Keery spoke about it last night after the game, how they basically changed the way they attacked or went about their attack or their mindset anyway a couple of times during the season. And one of those was around about that time and then another one more going into the second half of the season. So they must have been thinking at some stage, not that they sucked, but they must have had some doubts about where they were going and this chance that they'd seemingly be present, been presented with, with Cronk coming and Tedesco joining the fold. What's going on here? Are we wasting a, a premiership window? So there you go. Yeah. Okay, what about eight rounds after that? And then by the time we got to the um, round 15, so basically two-thirds the way through the season, 
Um, I had elevated uh, the keep the last weekend of September free was the Dragons, the Panthers, the Rabbitohs, and the Storm. Still didn't no, include the Roosters. I had the Roosters in. Do, do you think we're a contender along with the Sharks and also the Warriors? And then, and then the team I had, I had replaced the Roosters in the category. Is there a chance we actually suck with the Broncos? And I reckon the Broncos suck. Because <laughs> yeah. the way back. they finished the season, yeah. they bounced back, and we all thought they were. They bounced back. Again, they looked good, they but then the yeah. way they let they the way oh, they yeah. got eliminated from the finals was very Broncos, yes, wasn't it? They absolutely. had put in some performances like that throughout the season. So um, there you go. At one stage, I thought the Roosters were sticking. But then, the by the time up. when I think Maddie was away. You and I were just on the podcast. We yes. did it at the end of the season. We had definitely we had the Roosters to save the last weekend. So by round 25, 20, no doubt. we had yep. Yep, definitely saved the last. But I think a person or a player that typifies that roller coaster is Jake Friend. And he spoke about that at the end of the game last night. He said that he had some really tough moments this year where, you know, yes. his own fans were booing he was being him. booed by his fans. Yeah. And vigorously so. And he had to sit down with the coach and say, I'm not playing well, I know I'm not playing well, but, you know, what do I, what, how can I get out of this? And he knew that he could, he just had to play himself back into form. But there was some soul-searching for sure for him. Yeah. And and Trent Robinson couldn't give him a big enough rap and say it's been an unbelievable journey for his co-captain and to do what he did and play the way he did in a grand final um, and to come back from the adversity and not playing well. And that was a result of the change in style. He didn't, he hadn't, you know, got in his head around. He'd played only his whole career with Mitchell Pearce at halfback. So taking him out of that role and everyone learning their new structure and and all of that had had a big impact on the way Jake played at the beginning part of the year. Um, but it all came back to the house, the foundation, which is, which is the way Robbo speaks, which is defence. And mm. that's what they built their season on ultimately. The Roosters way or the Roosters Robbo way. Mm-hmm. You know, it begins and he, he's brought up Jack Gibson a number of times in the lead up to the grand final. You know, the record that Jack created at the Roosters, um, the back-to-back premierships in 74 and 75 and it was built on defence and, and Robbo sees, you know, as all the good coaches, Craig Bellamy certainly, mm-hmm. all the good coaches know that if you can't defend, you can't be a top two or three a team as far as defensive rankings are concerned, you're very unlikely to win the premiership. And history shows that's the case. The best defensive teams mm. win competitions. Now, what you do with the ball contributes contributes to your defence because the more effective you can be with the ball means you've got the other team starting off their own line more often than not. And that was the case certainly in the grand final against the Melbourne Storm last night. They smashed them when they were trying to bring it out of their 20. And as a result, the Roosters, well, the Roosters at one point, I don't know if in the first half, they actually had a kick from inside their own half. At one stage, Brandy mentioned in the commentary, and it it must have been about half an hour in, that there hadn't been a kick from the Roosters anywhere other than across the halfway line in Melbourne Territory. So that, that shows you how dominant they had been. And that again, it begins with what you do when you haven't got the ball defensively. And, you know, Trent always talks about the Roosters way, a power forward, you know, game and then a bit of skill, but it's built around defence and there they are, one try off an intercept, mind you, in the final two games of the season against the best teams in the competition. It's outstanding. Well, it's back to our reviews during the year and here's a classic case. We say it every year, the cliche, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. The Roosters, after eight rounds, sat eighth uh, after... 
16 rounds, sorry, 18, yeah, 16 rounds, they were sixth. They didn't actually crack the top four, ignoring that first month where it's topsy-turvy, until round 18. They didn't crack the top two until round 23. And, of course, they go on to win the premiership. It's a, if you, as you look at the page, the progress round by round of the Roosters is a gradual uphill climb, mm-hmm. suggesting that it is a marathon. And a punter calling Macquarie Sports Radio this morning as I was driving in pointed out a really interesting fact. I'm sure it's right that during the finals... One beat two in the grand final. Before that, one and two beat three and four. Before that, three and four beat four and five and six. And in week one, it was five and six beating six and seven. The, the finishing order at the end of the regular season is exactly the way the finals unfolded. Mm. And we knew the top in eight teams. Order. We knew the top eight teams. They changed order quite obviously. And the, and the Roosters and the Melbourne Storm floated to the top the longer the season got on and were only separated by eight for and against points. Mm to decide the minor premiership. It was remarkable how close they were in both their attack numbers and also their defensive numbers. Um, but we knew the top eight from a long way out, which brings, I guess, back to this age-old question. We've spoken about it a couple of times this year on the podcast. But, you know, should the season be only 20 rounds or maybe 18 rounds? I mean, we, we knew who the best teams were a long way out, didn't we? Mm. Should, should the season be condensed? I know broadcasters okay. at the moment, it's not going to happen in the next four seasons and it may not ever happen, but you know, like we, we knew who the best teams were a long time ago. The Premiership favourites pre-season won the comp. Should we have even played the season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. But what a journey it was. Exactly. And that was the thing in the lead-up to the game on social media, I saw some comments saying, ah, oh, you know, what a surprise. It's the Roosters versus the Melbourne Storm. Well, you know, as we've just said, you've gone through those stats. Uh, halfway through the season, mm. had you said when they're running sixth and seventh, you know, with whatever rounds to go, oh, it'll be the Storm and the Roosters. You just said, I don't think so. I think the Dragons will play the Panthers or the Dragons will play the Rabbitohs. Yeah. But, you know, like, there you go. Unpredictable. That's what we love about it. Who starts favourites in 2019? <laughs> are the, are the, premier, the Premiers are always probably quite possibly the favourites. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys weren't. The Premier's last season, but with the pre-season favourites going into 2018, are, are the Roosters automatically uh, favourites to win next year? If Cooper Cronk doesn't retire, they get Angus Crichton. I'm just trying to think off the top of my else head who else is bound for Bondi and who's leaving. But, yes, yeah, surely, given their sustained success, the Roosters... Yeah, can't, cannot argue. Have well, I mean, if Melbourne have been the favourites and they're usually the favourites, but... Billy Slater retires. I think Glasby's going to Newcastle. Yeah, so there's some change for Melbourne. Um, and I can't see any of the other team. I mean, yeah, it, it, either the Rabbitohs will be up there given the way they performed this year, but they're not going to be favourites, you wouldn't have thought. You'd definitely have the Roosters as the mm. competition favourites. No, just going through, yeah. So the gains for the Roosters, Angus Crichton, Ryan Hall and Brett Morris. Uh. Losing Blake Ferguson losing Ryan Madison, losing Sean O'Sullivan, who's the backup halfback. He's going to the Brisbane Broncos. Paul Momorowski, who played that role in the West prelim Tigers, final, yeah. is going off to the West Tigers as well. And while we're talking about it, um, the Melbourne Storm, losing Tim Glasby, going to the Knights. Uh, Ryan Hoffman, Billy Slater retired, of course. Young Tottenham Pia is on a Mormon mission at the moment. As far as gains are concerned, um, nothing to speak of as far as any big names going to Melbourne at this point for... 2019. So maybe if we're talking windows, uh, the Roosters have another big chance, obviously, in 2019 to go back to back. (laughs) Melbourne couldn't do it. Um, No one's done it since the Broncos in 97, 98, and 92, and 93 in a unified 
competition. So it's it's the quarter century now that that's been done. Um, the Roosters have a tremendous chance, quite obviously, next year. Um, is there is there a team? Can the Panthers um, under the under the watch of Cameron Serraldo, who I'm led to believe will sign a deal to be the Panthers coach for the next two seasons in the next maybe week or so. Okay. So I think okay. we were talking recently about Ivan Cleary, and I was pretty convinced that somehow, some way, Ivan would lead the Panthers into 2019. Um, I'm going to say that that's not going to be the case. Mm. Cameron Serraldo looks like being the coach for the next two seasons at the Penrith Panthers. They've obviously been impressed with what he's done, what that means as far as the general manager, Phil Gould, is concerned and the shape of things out there with their football department. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. But Cameron Serraldo will lead the Panthers. Can he find the, the secret to the Panthers and, and turn them from perennial what seems to be overachievers, but at some stage, the potential that they have has to be realised or they will, their window will bypass. Yeah, I thought, I said mid-season on this podcast, I think the Panthers can win the comp. I, I love their forward pack at different stages this season. I thought the outside backs were fast and skillful and capable enough to win the comp, but they finished well short. You know what? Last year, Parramatta finished top four and this year won the wooden spoon. So is there a slide like that for any of these top eight teams in... 2019, as we gaze into the crystal ball, uh, impossible to say. Mm. But I've told a number of people in 2018, you know the Eels finished top four last year? Mm. I said, no. I said, have a look, here it is. No. Well, they did, and look how the slide fell on them. Mm. So I wonder whether that awaits any of our top eight teams. What about the Dragons, Lara? What's the feeling in, at uh, St George Illawarra Central? A feeling still of pride. The Dalians catching up with some Dragons... Uh, people involved in the club I, it was a wonderful end to the season so I think the fact that they you know pulled it back together in time for finals was a huge boost if it had been a, a you know a devastating loss in Brisbane in, in no. week one it would have mm. probably made for a very difficult off season but the fact that they pulled it back together gives you hope and I, I think we already discussed the fact that Ben Hunt probably answered a few demons in that game um, he can hopefully go on to bigger and better things next year. Um, and with Widdop back uh, and with Vaughan back and a fit team, I'd be quite happy for them not to start the season as strongly as they <laughs> tend to do. Don't go 8-0 or 6-0 or whatever. 4-4 and four like the Roosters did this year and uh, slowly build into our season rather than being the front runners from the first two months of the competition. But uh, I think there's a few teams. Cronulla lose a bit of experience. They lose Ramian. I think they're, you know... The, they're going through a time of transition almost, mm. a few, few changes in their team. Newcastle could be a really exciting team if they um, get together with their injuries, with Mitchell Pearce and Caelan Ponga, if they can keep them on the field. I had said that they'd finish eighth this year, and I don't think that that wasn't far from happening if they didn't get the injuries that they had. So I think Newcastle could be a team that... There's, yeah. a, there's a few teams on that edge. Mm -hmm. We should have seen the Raiders in there. The West Tigers, it could be better again next year. Um, and I think we spoke last week about the Warriors and whether, well, when they actually got bundled out of the finals. We talked about whether, you know, they're on the upwards when you and Maddie and I were doing the podcast. Um, I think that after seeing that what they did at, at the Dallium and, and speaking to the people within the club that night, I think that there is a, a genuine shift. And we don't get to see it as much because we're over here. That's right. And 
you know, we only see what they produce on the field and we still had question marks over what they did at the back end of the year and whether they really have turned a corner, but I think they have. And that's testament to the awards that they picked up on the night. And, um, you know, I think they are, they will, will be better, better for it next year, the well, Warriors. Next year, I hope the top eight is as close as it yeah. was this year, but I hope that there are more teams in contention for the finals for longer than they were in 2018. Yeah, so close a race from 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th. Yeah, which yeah. it usually is. Yeah. So There you go. Look, now, now, Lockie is getting a bit fractious. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a long, been a long season for everybody. He, Inc- he certainly knows Chautauqua. He doesn't stay in the Lockie, barrier. He doesn't stay he's in the barrier. He's just opened the barrier and he's about to bolt. He don't, might be off. Don't. Stick around, Lockie, because we're about to wrap it up, mate. Yeah. You've been a very good boy. Thanks for sticking around. Don't bring children to work, ever. He's, he's a gorgeous young bloke. Sorry about that. Um, no, no, and you're a <laughs> sensational mum. Being able, I don't know how you've been able to do a podcast no. while you've been looking after Lockie as well. It's been quite the show. Yeah. This should have been on TV today. It should have. Apparently this should have been on TV. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I think I pinched him. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations to the Roosters, all you fans. The lattes will be flowing in the eastern suburbs. What a, what a time to be alive as a Roosters fan it must be. Um, thanks for uh, contributing so much during the course of the season. It's been great. Hopefully um, we haven't done anything that uh, will convince you not to come back in 2019. <laughs> you haven't insulted anyone, have we? No. Oh, I don't think so. We I think we're pretty good. Somewhere along the line, but to that person we say apologies and let's move on. Whoever it might be, <laughs> if you're out there listening, you know who you are. <laughs> Until we see you in 2019, I guess we say, you can take me now, I have seen it all. <laughs>